1: Today's program is brought to you by Whole Foods Market, a dynamic leader in the quality food business, a mission-driven company that aims to set the standards of excellence for food retailers. For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com.
0: This is Michael Harlan Turkel, host of The Food Scene. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more.
2: Well, happy Monday to all the Heritage Radio Network listeners. It's 1 p.m., and I'm in a shipping container in the backyard at Roberta's Pizza, and that means one thing. That means it's time for Tech Bytes. I'm your host, Jennifer Leuzzi, and every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we talk about the intersection of technology and food. Before we get started, I always like to introduce everyone in the studio so that people can match the names to the voices First up, most important, is our engineering crew in the booth in the back. We have Jack Insley, the station's executive producer and DJ host of Full Service Radio on Thursday nights at seven thirty PM. We missed him last week because he was West Coast.
3: Oh yeah. I sure was. Glad
2: you came back.
3: I made it back alive.
2: Did you bring it In and Out Burger?
3: I didn't know. <laughs> I somehow missed that.
2: We also have our radio intern, Declan.
3: Good afternoon.
2: Hello. He has a good radio voice. Our in-studio guests today are from IBM. We have Dr. Steve Abrams, who works with Watson Life.
1: Hi, Jennifer. How are you doing?
2: Very good. Thank you for coming out to Bushwick in the Rain. Thanks for having us. And we also have Stacey Rivera, who is with Bon Appetit Magazine. Hi, thank you. And the two of them have gotten together on a very interesting computer cooking project, which we'll talk about in a little bit. The first thing that we do on Tech Bytes is we start off like a good meal with an appetizer, and that means that everyone in the studio talks about an app that they're currently interested in, excited about, or recently discovered. You're not allowed to say an app that you work for. Ooh. (laughs) And everyone participates, so we'll start in the booth in the back to give our guests some time to think about it. Declan, what do you have for us this week?
3: I actually have a good one this week. Excellent. Um, it is it is a photo, uh, photo editing app okay. called... I'm not 100% sure how you pronounce it, because it used to be called Line Camera, but they updated it. It's called something like Alias now, and... Um, It's really, really convenient if you want to make uh, cover art for songs because you can make it exactly within um, 800 by 800, which is the exact format that SoundCloud needs to put up cover art. So I use it on the train just when I'm going to work or going home and make art on it, and it's very fun and free and really cool. So do you make your own cover art then
2: for the songs and for your DJ tracks and your playlists? Yes, I do okay so that's pretty interesting do most djs do their own cover artwork
3: i can't speak for all of them uh jack do you make your own cover artwork uh i I have friends that help me okay
2: so our focus group of two is split 50 50 (laughs) jack what's your app this week
3: all right, well mine uh, you mentioned I was on the West Coast. Uh, I was. I got to cover Coachella for Heritage Radio, which was certainly a trip. We got to interview a lot of really great chefs out there too.
2: Chefs at Coachella, chefs who did at you Coachella? talk to? Yeah,
3: well the outstanding in the field team primarily, who right? they're incredible and they do things at all kinds of crazy locations and they, you know, they did a four five course meal for, you know, family style for about 100 people every two times a day every day of the festival that's spectacular such a strange setting for fine dining um right next to the like club edm tent <laughs> very very interesting but anyway being on the west coast e- edm
2: for the foodies who don't right. follow the uh dance circuit is electronic dance music
3: that's what they call it yeah <laughs> <laughs> so and then you know we spent some time in la as well so i was navigating navigating the west coast and uh somebody put me onto this app called ways i believe that's how you pronounce it so it's kind of of a gps traffic app but the difference here is there's like a social media aspect and obviously everybody knows there's a lot of traffic in la so on Waze, it's got this social component where you can report what's happening where you are in traffic so you can say there's an accident here or whatever it may be so as you're driving you're getting real-time updates from other drivers you can even chat with them although here's the crazy thing if i try to do it it knows that i'm driving And it says, "Please pass your phone to a passenger." How does it know it's you and not a passenger? I have no idea. That's kind of creepy. It was like magic, kind of. And I I tried to buy; it wouldn't let me bypass it. I had to actually pass the phone to my girlfriend in the passenger seat, and then she would resume.
2: That's kind of amazing. But it really
3: superseded like Google Maps or the Apple app. It just really is like very real time. You know
2: so it turns everybody into a an eye traffic reporter
3: yeah it even tells you um, it'll say you know police three miles ahead <laughs> if you're speeding or something it's really incredible
2: does it have road rage alerts and things like
3: that <laughs> kind of they're all I, I haven't even figured it all out there's so many icons and things and it's it's pretty comprehensive
2: Can you use it in New
3: York? Yeah. Wow. I don't know if as many people use it in New York. It seemed like really an, a West Coast thing. A lot of people had been talking about it and okay. recommending That's very
2: it. cool. You brought something back. Yeah, exactly. From the wilderness. <laughs> Wonderful. So, Steve, you're up next on the spot. Do you have an app that you like right now?
4: Is it cheating if I mention one of Stacey's apps and she mentions one of mine? <laughs> yes, it is. Okay, so we, yes, won't, it we is. won't do any collusion. <laughs> 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 but uh, So, actually, I've been uh, trying to do a better job of sort of cultivating my own personal social media presence. Okay. And I've been recently using Hootsuite. I know there are a bunch of things that uh, do this, and, and this is probably old hat for people who have been doing this for a living. But uh, yeah, I just started to recently use uh, Hootsuite to manage my Twitter posting. And my uh, LinkedIn updates, and even uh, my Facebook uh, updates within the, my professional Facebook, not my personal Facebook. Um, and uh, it's really useful. You can you know keep track of your mentions and your follows. Um, And you can keep track of, um, you know, uh, retweets and, um, you know, get a good sense of uh, content that you want to post and schedule updates so that you can find a bunch of interesting things, set them up to go out during the day. um, And then, uh, you know, not worry about it and just be more reactive to real time, you know, so you can have that combination of, you know, reactive real time social media presence coupled with some planned Components And I don't know how long I'm going to keep it up for. I usually get these little fads that I do for a while, and they kind of fade out, especially around social media. But uh, maybe this will help me uh, stay in the game a little bit longer.
2: Hootsuite is a good choice. They it, It's a free app and free service. It also is online. You can use it with a desktop or a computer. Um, and the free version is great for small-scale things like a personal platform. But they also have pay-for-play ones, which are much larger, which companies and corporations and big, big things for big social media platforms can then pay and have a little bit more services and, and stronger analytics. Yeah, it looked like
4: I could get uh, three uh, social media communities uh, managed through Hootsuite, so that, mm-hmm. was, that was fine for me for
2: now. Hootsuite's great. And so to promote your personal social media platform, what are your handles?
4: I'm uh, S. R. Abrams on Twitter, and uh, just Steve Abrams on, uh, on uh, LinkedIn. You should be able to find me there pretty easily. Okay, good. And the best way to find me
1: on
2: my
4: professional Facebook is to
2: sign up for the Chef Watson beta. Okay, well, we're going to get there very soon. <laughs> Stacy.
1: So this is totally going to give you a little window into my life. Um, the Play-Doh app. Spent a lot of time with the Play-Doh app and the Lego app. Um, because I have a child.
2: <laughs> I, I was I was kind of waiting for that. No, piece. I just
1: kind of like it. Yeah, no. Um, actually, the Play Doh app is a lot of fun for adults, too, by the way, because you can make stuff and then you get to smush it, which is just like this very gratifying feeling to be able to just like. Stress reliever? Yeah. Like, it's like those little great. funny, squishy
2: stress reliever dolls yes. you can buy in the executive gift section.
1: Yeah, I remember when we sort of found it in the app store and I was like, what do we play? Like, Play Doh's the most practical thing. Like, how is this going to be at all fun in the app? Um, but it really is. It's really a great extension of what Play-Doh does. It is all. Um, it all needs your fingers and your hands, and it's still very tactile. Uh, you know, it's very good for he's learning alphabet and you know stuff like that. But there, there's just this very satisfying thing where you get to make something and smush it.
2: How do you smush on a screen?
1: You just swipe down.
2: So you're swiping the yeah. smush. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That sounds like fun. I might check that out. <laughs> I have small children in my area occasionally.
1: I also suggest the Lego app, which is free and a ton of fun. Does it have
2: the song from the Lego movie? It doesn't. Okay, then I, I like it less already. <laughs> I like it less already. My app this week is entirely self-serving. It is the Kickstarter app. And the reason why it is self-serving is because Heritage Radio Network is in the middle of a giant Kickstarter campaign. We are looking to raise about $35,000 because our website will self-destruct very shortly when the coding language becomes extinct. And we need to keep going into the next millennium of radio. So we are looking for support, small price of entry, $5, all the way up to five grand. My two personal favorite um, pieces of swag that you get for donating, I'm typically a high-low kind of girl. So I like the $15 donation because you get the three customized ringtones by Jack Inslee. I like some ringtone swag on my phone. I'm actually going to ask him to make me a ringtone with my theme song also. And then my second favorite uh, reward for donation is at the $5,000 level, you can have your own Heritage Radio show for one season. And I think that's pretty amazing. You should maybe think about having IBM get Watson a radio show for a season.
4: I will uh, start asking around when I get back to
3: the office.
2: Yeah, or maybe, you know, B.A. Maybe, maybe. B.A. needs a radio show. Maybe we do. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my app, and it's Kickstarter, and if you listen to this episode far, far away in the future and the Kickstarter fund is over, fear not. There is always a Donate Now button to click on the org homepage. So now that we've done our due diligence and – promoted the show, let's get to our two guests. So Dr. Steve Abrams is from IBM, and he is the director of Watson Life. And Watson is a computer. And before we get into the amazing cognitive computer and cooking with Bon Appetit, and how do you teach a computer to cook, I have to get into a couple of points um, that I received by email in terms of the proper way to discuss the IBM Watson project. I was very specifically told that IBM does not like to humanize Watson and that at all costs we should avoid referring to Watson as a he or she and that Watson is an it, which I found unusual because you all gave it a name. Watson's a person name, right? Versus numbers or something like that. So that's correct. I find that just unto itself very fascinating. <laughs>
4: well, it's interesting, right? I mean, Watson got introduced to the world as a game show contestant. This is when Watson played Jeopardy. Exactly. Going back to 2011, when Watson played and won, I might add, uh, at the game of Jeopardy, handily beating uh, Ken Jennings and Brad Rutter, the then uh, two best human players in the world. And I think um, the the thinking was, if you're going to uh, put a computer in a place where a person normally is, and it's going to be addressed directly uh, by the host of a game show. It ought to have a name, even though we recognize that it's an, an inanimate object. It's not really to be personified in, in most cases. Um, and then the choice of the name, Watson. Uh, Watson, the system, is named after uh, Thomas J. Watson, one of the founders of, of IBM, one of our you know first CEOs.
2: See, um, I went to the Sherlock Holmes place. Like, yeah. it's elementary, Watson. It, it you is. You know, it, like, obviously. Yeah,
4: It is elementary. It, it also turns out to be—it's <laughs> uh, the name of the Watson Research Center that uh, we have up in uh, Westchester and Yorktown Heights, and uh, that was also named after um, you know Thomas J. Watson. So you put those two things together, you know, showing the IBM heritage. Company likes its history. We're 103 years old, uh, plus the fact that it was introduced in a in a place literally where a person normally stands to be addressed. So it has a name, even though it really has no, um, you know, innate. Um, I should say independent uh, intelligence it it answers questions and it serves us so it's it's an it it's uh-huh. a it's a computer
2: so how did that work in other languages like French, where even if it's an inanimate object you you assign them the he or the she based on you know
4: oh that's an interesting the noun question. because
2: my this we I know quite a few people who speak French, and sometimes when they start to speak English, it becomes oh, the computer he is you know very nice in the Apple Store.
4: Right. I, I would guess that... Uh, well, if you'd probably ask... Uh, uh, there's a, a guy on my team, actually, on this uh, Chef Watson team, who the lead engineer is, in fact, French. I can I can ask him. But what I remember from French is that the male uh, pronoun is also the default in right? general. So mm-hmm. I would assume that they would use the...
2: But then you, when you start to conjugate or... the adjectives and the verbs, it has yeah. to be, like, masculine or feminine. So yeah. I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. So let's all make a pact to refer to Watson as it. We'll do our best. Yes. The other thing um, was... Specifically, Watson is not a supercomputer. That's correct. It is a cognitive computer, and that it actually doesn't physically exist per se, but is in the cloud.
4: Right. So, it, the, the system that we built for Jeopardy um, was a massive single purpose computer. Um, it was the size of a, uh, of a large uh, eat in kitchen, let's say. <laughs> so,
2: that computer is now having a cameo spot on Mad Men? Is that why it's unavailable to (laughs) work for Bon Appetit? (laughs)
4: I'm not sure, but... it it was it was huge. I mean, it was if you remember in in twenty eleven, they actually took a little tour of the machine room, and you could see the special cooling and everything that was that was used, and, and racks and racks and racks of systems. Um, and over time, you know, staying in the food analogy, it we went from the size of a giant uh, uh, eat-in kitchen or a large eat-in kitchen. It's now about the size of a couple of pizza boxes. The amount of uh, computing power that you need to to do the same sorts of thing, and and it's now served out of the out of the cloud, out of the IBM cloud. So it, it's running off of um, IBM Power hardware, which is out. Or commercial systems. Um, So it's really not any uh, special purpose hardware. It's not a supercomputer, but there's a lot of computer resources. We make them available in the cloud and anybody can access them.
2: So that's very interesting. The power of something that's sort of not tangible is a a fascinating thing. So now we know all about Watson. And Watson is a cognitive computer, which basically means it, it can learn. And when I think of trying to articulate what that means, I go to the scene from the matrix where they plug neo into the computer and they run the kung fu program and then he opens his eyes and he says i know, I kung, know fu. kung fu <laughs> i mean is it sort of a similar thing you you plug information or lessons into the computer and then it goes through them and then at the end it has learned it uh,
4: well watson learns from two things first it learns from from what it's read so, in, in the case of Chef Watson, it's learned by reading many recipes. In the case of the Jeopardy competing Watson, it read tremendous amount of information that we gave it off of the internet, you know, things of the scale of all of Wikipedia. Um, but it also learns from its interactions with, with people. So, when uh, it gets questions right, uh, that reinforces it. When it gets questions wrong, and it knows that it gets questions wrong, that reinforces certain certain learning patterns. When, when Watson works with, with physicians, as it does to help identify treatment plans, or with pharmaceutical researchers to look for new potential drug therapies, it again alerts from all the papers and the medical records that it's that it's been fed, um, as well as its interactions with, with people. So it gets better at what it does over time.
2: So in the case of teaching it to cook and create recipes, you went to Bon Appetit, and it read through the 9,000 recipes you all have in the database, and yeah. then it kind of learned to cook from from that parameter.
1: So there's two things, I mean, I think that one, when we first met each other, because we were interested in what was going on with the food truck, and we sort of had this idea of like, oh well, we'll just put a computer in charge of the test kitchen, that'll be a fun story and then once we started talking, we realized that we did in fact have a whole very structured data library of knowledge that would be helpful, right, because they were using wiki recipes and and there's patterns that don't exist when you're not looking at the same language over and over. Um, so, so, yeah, so we wanted to hand over the recipes. But then the other thing that we also have is, like, an unbelievably experimental user base. So I knew that our, read- our, you know, our online users and the magazine readers, they change what we do all the time. They use our recipes as a guide anyway. And then if you go on our comment section you can see that they're always playing around. And I love this recipe, but oh by the way I did it with pears instead of apples and I did it with whole wheat instead of this and you know. And so they're just by the nature of who they are sort of the best test group for this. So I think that we sort of had, you know, there were there were two things that kind of made it a lot of fun on both sides was I wanted to see what my users would do with this. Um but also then we did have like a very structured solid base of knowledge.
2: So, and on that note, we are going to find out who our sponsors are this week and listen to a new piece of music from Jack.
3: And this one's called Pope Mobile, a throwback from Knife Show. This is Tech Bytes. We'll be right back. program has been brought to you by Whole Foods Market. Washed rind cheeses are a fairly recent addition to the repertoires of artisanal cheesemakers in the United States. These cheeses tend to be stinkier than other types and are often high on the list of connoisseurs. Now, Whole Foods Market has come up with one of their own. The raw cow's milk cheese made by Sprout Creek Farm in Poughkeepsie, New York, is washed with six-point ale from Red Hook, Brooklyn. The beige sticky rind deepens in color as it ages. The satiny ivory cheese within is mellow with a sweetly tangy bite and a grassy aroma. The current version features six-point diesel, which is in limited supply, so stop by and pick up some before it's gone. And point-of-origin cheese is sold exclusively at Whole Foods Market in New York, northern New Jersey, and Connecticut. For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com.
2: Well, if you've just joined us and you're wondering what the hell you clicked on, this is Tech Bytes coming to you on the heritageradionetwork.org, broadcasting live from two shipping containers in the back of Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Tech Bytes looks at the influence of technology on our culinary life, and today we are talking about the influence of Chef Watson, IBM's cognitive computer, the influence of that on... Bon Appétit's recipe database and Cook's Home Cooks and, and that kind of thing. They basically taught Watson to cook by having it read through the 9,000 recipes in the Bon Appétit database.
1: Well, we taught Watson how to cook like Bon Appétit. I mean, I think that we're a piece of the knowledge just to be like totally clear about how the whole thing works and kind of why it's interesting is that Watson has three pieces of knowledge. One of them is our database and that very much makes it and you know, the the app that we're in beta with is very much what would Watson do if he were a bon appetit chef. But there's two other technical components to Watson and one of the and they've been developed by the IBM developers. And one of them is a basically a flavor pairing. It's kind of like I like to I liken it to like the flavor Bible on crack. Right. So it's all the things that kind of go well together. And then the third piece is something I'll let Steve explain because I never explain it right. Right. Um, because it's about surprise, right? So, and like kind of like what what things are you expecting or not expecting to come together? And so those three pieces together are actually how we develop recipes out of Watson.
2: Well, before we get to part 3, I mean, part 1 is great and easy for us to understand because we can all go to Epicurious.com and start looking at bon appetit recipes and and understanding so exactly to bon what is. And bon, bon appetit.com, okay? <laughs> but flavor pairings, and the interesting, I think you made a very interesting point when you called out teach it to cook like a bon appetit chef. Yeah. And that means a lot of different things. That means American mm-hmm. um, magazine you know, foodies, right. home cooks it, it has all these very specific descriptors to it. So we understand what that is. When you go to flavor pairings flavor pairings based on some algorithm based on spice combinations, based on other types of ethnic cooking where for americans we might think that you know ginger goes well with coriander but if you go to another culture say japanese culture you know ginger and coriander maybe don't mix so creating flavor profiles based on what inputs
4: yeah there are actually two ways that chef watson figures out that two ingredients might go well together one is because they've been used together before, and that's from reading the existing recipes that, uh, that Stacy was talking about. But the second way is because it understands the molecular chemistry of these ingredients, and it knows the volatile flavor compounds that go into each of these ingredients, and it applies something called the flavor-pairing hypothesis. The flavor-pairing hypothesis says that, at least in Western cuisine, we tend to prefer ingredient combinations when those ingredients share flavor combinations. So um, it uses that to come up with Suggestions for ingredients to bring together, even though we've never uh, or it's never seen a recipe that combines those two. You know, one of the favorite examples of one of the dishes uses a combination of strawberries and mushrooms. And there are very few, if any, recipes that combine strawberries and mushrooms. Turns out strawberries and mushrooms share a number of these underlying flavor compounds. So Chef Watson was able to predict that we would find uh, that combination to be pleasant.
2: Is Watson using the four flavors or the five flavors? Does oh. Watson know about umami or no?
4: So Watson actually isn't doing it based on um, that type of mapping. Oh, okay. It's, it's really just the fact that it looks at the list of flavor compounds that are in ingredient A and the list that are in ingredient B. And if there's significant overlap, um, it thinks that it's going to have what we call a high synergy or a high pairing score. And again, that's based on some research that was done around um, you know, the ingredient combinations that we find pleasant in Western cuisine. There's some research that indicates in Eastern cuisine it's somewhat the opposite, um, but at least uh, for the Western palate, it should make these things go well
2: together. and where did that information come from?
4: Um, there's a database of uh, volatile flavor compounds that are that, that Watson has ingested. Uh, it's called the VCF database that uh, has all this information
2: oh. yeah where Where does this database exist? I've never even heard of it, but it sounds kind of exciting. It's a commercially
4: available
1: uh, database, okay. yeah and I mean, but the main engineer behind Watson is also a chef <laughs> <laughs> right. So his name is Florian Pannell. I mean, I think it's key to understand, right? Like, yes, there's a lot of technology behind here, but a lot of it's being pushed forward by a person with a tremendous amount of food knowledge who knew what pieces to put together and how, which was also why it was exciting to us because, you know, you get into this place where you're like a computer and science, but it's food, you know, it requires so much human interaction. And ultimately, the thought, a lot of the thought power behind it came from a human being with a tremendous love of food. So the things that he's chosen to put together and the... The knowledge databases that they've picked make a ton of sense for um, for being able to broaden your food horizons, right? I mean, we live in a very global universe now, so all of us are are putting together and a lot. And our test kitchen is doing this all the time, putting together things that we hadn't thought about before. Um, this just kind of helps speed that process up in a you know in a significant way because maybe we have to travel to figure it out or like you know or we're just kind of get in the ruts that we get into. But because Watson is just solely looking at the science of it. It doesn't, it takes away all of the prejudices and, you know, pre-existing, you know, preconceived ideas of
2: what you should eat for breakfast.
1: Yeah. And like what goes together with what, like it doesn't, that concept of like everything goes together sort of, right. Mm -hmm. Can kind of really make it really open your horizons when you're producing, we produce 50 recipes a month for the magazine, They're all new. You know, like sometimes you just, you get into like, you love love to love a pepper for like five seconds. It was in everything, (laughs) you know, (laughs) you you know, sort of, you need that help to, to push you along. Um, But remembering that all of this sort of starts from a person who really loves food, you know.
2: So that was the second component was flavor pairings. And then the third component that Watson is learning from is.
4: Yeah. It's a, it's a measure of the ingredient list that it comes up with. And that measure is called surprise. And uh, if there are any, um, you know, statisticians or mathematicians that are listening to the show, uh, there's a metric called a Bayesian surprise. And, and, if, and the easiest description of a Bayesian surprise is if I have a whole bunch of stuff in a list, a database, um, and then I have a new thing. I want to know how different is this new thing from all the things that are in that list. And there's a algorithm for computing the Bayesian surprise, but basically it tells us is this – a combination of ingredients for this type of dish has it been used before how many of these th- pairs have been used together um so when that score is high it means that this thing is really really different from anything else that watson has seen before in, in the information that we fed it so if it has a high um, surprise factor coupled with a high synergy factor that means that it's got a combination that we've never seen before that it thinks will be really interesting and really taste well um and that's the kind of thing that we uh, that we look for
2: So the boundaries to the combinations that Watson is going to come up with is really the boundary of the information that it takes in.
4: Yeah, that, That's always going to be the case with, uh, with a cognitive system. Um, it's got to get its information from somewhere. And, and I love that uh, Stacy was talking about the uh, the human expertise, uh, because all of these systems that, that we build when we apply Watson to any area, um, it's always a collaboration between the computer system and the human being. And as it learns and is trains, and we decide what information to include and what factors to look for, that's always going to be a partnership. And, and you can imagine you know any area, whether it's, like I said before pharmaceutical research or legal research, you know Watson's going to need to work with a human experts so that they can identify the, the right uh, kind of features to look for, the right patterns to look for, and then the right new areas to explore together.:
2: One of the consistent points about all of the show topics on tech bites, even though they range in diversity from a restaurant critic to apps to food delivery, is the technological piece is always being used, ultimately, to drive us to a tactile, actual, real-life, in-person food experience. And this is very similar. Um, And time is flying by, but I want to make sure that we get to the um, beta piece, because I think that's really interesting application, and then also the opportunity for people listening to get in there and try it out themselves. So you guys do rock paper scissor to figure out who's gonna take the first <laughs> habit you know well,
1: yeah, so, articulating it, that so the beta is a basically it's a web-based app that we're doing together um that is the ibm watson technology based off of our recipes um and again it, it's I look it's a lot of fun is what it is really especially if you're a cook and especially if you're a certain level of cook so you go in and you know it's changing you know as we're getting input because they're great about that but essentially you go in you put in a series of inputs and you, you know, i want to cook this and then it starts to give you things that will go with it um and then from there you know you get at this stage you get like one to 100 right different kind of options so right off the bat part of why we love this project was because we can create a recipe app right we have a recipe app we are partners with epicurious they have an amazing recipe app so like what how is this different This is not a recipe app. There's literally not, like, a finite amount of recipes in there. Based off of what you choose to do in the beta, it creates things that have never been seen before. There's no number associated with how much knowledge is in this thing. So, and it's always different unless you've saved it. So the concept of the fact that, like, that's also how people really cook. Like, you know... Yes, it could have been a finite amount of, like, do these four things, but that's not really where we want to get people. We want to help help people get dinner on the table. We want to help them use what's in their fridge. We want them to be as experimental as they always are. And essentially, that's what Watson is. It's an interface where you put in—chef Watson, sorry— where you put in what the ingredients you want to look into, and you get, you know, examples back. Things you probably would not have thought about.
2: If you put the same—if you go through it and it asks you— You know, how adventurous do you want to be? Do you want to be really surprised? Do you want something traditional? It asks you questions like what type of vegetables or cooking method? Do you want it steamed or baked? Is this for an occasion? Is it for Mother's Day? Is it for a birthday? Are you allergic? You know, do you not want specific ingredients? What's the probability of plugging in the same information and then getting different responses from Watson, Chef Watson?
4: So uh, I've never actually done the math on the probability, but I can tell you that for any... Uh, given set of inputs, there are something on the order of you know either millions, billions, or even quintillions. Wow, yeah, quintillions even, of possible ingredient combinations. How many
2: commas is that?
4: That's that's a lot. That's eighteen, <laughs> 18 digits. So that's uh, six commas, I guess, if you divide by three. But um, yeah, that's what's that's what's really amazing about it because a lot of it is based on you know what, what what's possible you know and and what is it learned will go go really well together. But if you go to uh, IBMChefWatson.com, dot com, anybody can you know jump in and sign up for that beta. And 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 like Stacy said, what what really What we see people um, gravitating to in this is, is the idea that it's providing insight, inspiration for avenues that the human is then going to explore. So mm-hmm. it might suggest, you know, it'll suggest a whole list of ingredients and in a type of dish, and it'll even make suggestions around quantities and instructions. You know, there's always going to be some some futzing around you have to do to make, you know, the, the perfect version of that. But what people seem to really find interesting is that it made a suggestion of, again, it was strawberries and mushrooms, and you said, wow, I never would have thought of that. You know, one of my favorites was, uh, you know, I now put fennel seeds in my grilled vegetables, which I never would have thought of uh, before Chef Watson came up with that. Apparently, it goes really well with, with uh, grilled zucchini Hmm. turns out it does um and uh you know you, you it's the inspiration for you to go and discover a new path and 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 for us the whole point here is to help people understand that cognitive computers are here to be our collaborative partners in more than just finding out facts and answering questions, but really in discovering and exploring new directions in, in all fields.
2: And, and they're not going to take over the world, and we not, don't have to have Arnold Schwarzenegger come rescue us. Not even close. No, Will Smith, maybe? No. Jumping over the fence into the tiki garden? At Roberta's? If I needed to be
4: saved, I would want it to be one of those two people, but I don't think they're going to need to save us from 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 uh, cognitive systems.
2: To, to Stacey's point, I do think that people get stuck in um, the things they like to eat or the things that they think should go together. and. I also think that people don't have necessarily the self-confidence to say, I'm going to go and try that and see if it works. I think we look to a chef or a magazine or an article to say, try this new combination and we might be adventurous on that front. Um, But even just the parameters of what you should or shouldn't be eating for breakfast when you start to travel abroad, you know, they eat rice and grilled fish and pickles for breakfast in Asia, where if you put that on the menu at an IHOP here, people would just say, like, what the heck is that? But Watson, theoretically, then doesn't have those, like, preconceived cultural ideas of what should be, but does have the inputs of what could be.
1: No, so, like, a good example of that is one of the first recipes that we made when we started our partnership was a coleslaw um, that... Watson suggested an asian influence dressing on. Now we would not have done that. Like, you know, I mean, and it ended up being one of the best things that we've ever created because when we think coleslaw, backyard barbecue, like, there's very specific things you start to, like, put in your head. And there were two things about that recipe, and, you know, we've certainly told this story before, but, you know, one, the Asian-inspired dressing, which is was not where we would have gone. And two, Watson wanted flour and two kinds of onions in a coleslaw. And I was sort of like, all right, well, No. Until. I can see
2: multiple kinds of onions, but the flour, at what well, juncture did the flour come in? So,
1: because. You know, uh, somewhere through the database of coleslaw recipes that we had, Watson decided these things were together enough. So, was it we, a thickening agent? Or? It must have been. But what we ended up doing was frying the onions, and some <laughs> fried onions on coleslaw turns out to be really good. I like, am
2: thinking of those <laughs> the dirty fried onions on the green bean so, casserole.
1: Sort of, yes. I mean, so so we wouldn't have, and it's like. We took that to Freeportland. We've taken that to lots of places and, you know, regularly get the comment back, like, this is one of the best things we've ever eaten. And what I will say about anything we've created out of Watson, it likes cocktails. We've done lots of drinks that have been a lot of fun. Um, we've never eaten anything bad out of it. Like, oh, it absolutely means – but we've had to think about what it's given us, you know. And I think – and that's what's been so interesting is that, no, it's not, it's not a prescript what you go to a magazine for or, you know, a cookbook for – you have to think about what it's telling you and why and how you would apply it, and that's an excellent use of people's time. I think one of the things that we see there's a Facebook group associated with the um, with the the beta users, and one of the things that we see is people really using it to manage food waste and you know and help themselves eat healthier. And they're they're liter- and for that I'm really excited about it as a project because I think that the concept of Watson helping people get dinner on the table is. I mean, proven, we've proven it in the beta group. You can go back and look and people are using Watson to make dinner and they're doing it and they're wasting less of their food. They are eating better and they are pushing their boundaries. And I mean, that's what, that's what we're here for, right? Is to help you do those things. And it's a great tool to, and it's a tool. Really, it's a tool. You need to be That's a
2: pretty big, awesome list of stuff. Chef Watson beta group is going to help you do.
1: Well but they have I'm gonna <laughs> I'm
2: gonna say to all of our listeners, put it to the test, go to IBM Chef Watson, W A T S O N dot com and you can sign in for the beta group and give it a test drive and it's built to have a lot of comment and feedback because it is beta and the internet runs on feedback. <laughs> feedback chicken and cats <laughs>
1: You can also find any of the recipes that we've done or some of the coverage that we've done on bonapetit.com backslash Watson.
2: Great. Well, I want to thank my two guests, Dr. Steve Abrams of IBM, director of Watson Life, and Stacey Rivera, the digital director of Bon Appetit magazine, for coming to the shipping container in Bushwick, Brooklyn, and talking about cognitive cooking. This is Tech Bytes. I'm Jennifer to your host. Come back and see us again on Monday at 1 p.m. Thanks.